Thank you, Gus and Veronica, for sharing. And I do encourage you after service to go and talk to Gus and Veronica. They have more stories. There's more pictures, actually. And maybe if you're real nice, Veronica will show you some. Because I saw a video of that kid playing drums, and that was really cool. <clears throat> I also have a video of Gus dancing. And maybe if you're real nice, she'll show you the video of Gus dancing over there at the orphanage. Because that was... That was brought joy to my heart, seeing that. And thank you guys for letting us partner with you. Thanks for letting us know about the need and, um, and to be a part of the, the work that the Lord's doing over there. That's awesome. Uh, one thing, just before we get into the Word, I want to let you know about Pastor Marvin, who was just up here, did a great job letting you know what was going on. He has been a pastor here at Mount Hope for seven years now, and we are grateful for that. Amen. And while I know he is grateful for your applause, he may be even more grateful that after seven years at Mount Hope as a pastor, we give our pastors a sabbatical. And so I want to let you know that he is going to be starting his sabbatical October 5th. He's going to be gone for a few weeks. So I think, Pastor Marvin, they're clapping for your rest, not because you're going to be gone. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, October 5th, uh, he'll be starting. You might say, well, that's a Wednesday. Some of you are quick. Why would he start a sabbatical on a Wednesday? Because October 4th is our annual church council. And I wasn't letting them leave before that. So he'll be here for our annual meeting. And then he'll be heading out for about eight weeks uh, to rest. We do this for our pastors because we believe in long-term ministry. We believe in uh, supporting our pastors. You, you do really as a church. As a church, you've, you've put this in place for your pastors. I have benefited from it. I've had two sabbaticals. This will be Pastor Marvin's first. I know he's been planning and thinking about it. And uh, just a time for the Lord to refresh him and his family and to step back from pouring out uh, for a little time and to get poured into and prepare for the next season of ministry that the Lord has for him. So thank you, Pastor Marvin, for all that you do. We appreciate that. I will tell you this as well. Over those eight weeks, there will be things that Pastor Marvin does that we're going to need some help with. So he may be contacting you and asking you to pick up something that maybe uh, you don't usually do to help carry the ministry on while he's gone. So if he emails you or calls you, please answer his call, answer his email, and uh, I'd encourage you just to step up into maybe a new role as we uh, just want to make sure all those responsibilities are covered while he's gone. All right? Um, just, we're in this series, Anxious for Nothing. We're in Philippians chapter 4, as Pastor Marvin mentioned, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And last week, I mentioned we're going to be in this passage for five weeks. And we're going to, I challenge you to memorize the passage of Scripture that we're looking at over those five weeks. And so just in, in an effort to, to encourage that, as the beginning of the service, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to call on three people and see how you are doing at memorizing this passage. I'm just going to pick three random people and see if you've got it memorized yet. Let's see. What you're feeling right now <laughs> is anxiety. Yes. All right. Just wanted to make sure you knew why we're in this series. We are in this series because we all feel anxious at times. Anyone really want to try it? Anyone got it memorized that you'd like to, you'd like to stand up and uh, recite it? I got to get... 
There you go. <laughs> Valentina. I've already got the book. I'll give a book to anyone who wants to give it a shot. All right. All right, Leo, give it a shot, man. All right, you got, you got a good start at it. Give this book to Leo. We'll get... All right. All right, maybe someone next week. We'll get the whole thing. Thank you, Leo. All right, so we'll, we'll go about that. We'll, but I do encourage you to memorize that passage. So we're talking about being anxious for nothing. We're in this series, um, and, you know, we, we are an anxious people. I mentioned that last week. And with all that's happening in this world, it often feels like we are in the midst of a storm. And some of you know what it feels like to be in a storm. In the midst of a storm, we long for calm. And we look for calm. I've told the story before. I think myself, the time when I was in a literal storm, we were in a boat heading back from the Cape, going to the North Shore. And we were out on a day that we shouldn't have been out on because the waves were too big and the boat was too small. And we were, I, I, no other time in my life did I think I was that close to death as I was then. I thought there's no way we should be out here. We're not getting out of this. There's no other boats out here. I know I was scared because I didn't take a single picture on my phone. And that's when you know you're scared, when you're in the midst of something and you don't even take a picture. I went back to that day and I'm like, I can't believe I didn't take a picture of those waves. Uh, but we, we were on our way back, and we knew we couldn't make it, so we pulled into Plymouth Harbor. And once we pulled into Plymouth, and it was calm, and it was restful, and it was like there was no storm going on there. And that calmness, like that, even though there's a storm raging out in the ocean, when you pull into that harbor and you feel that calmness, like that's a feeling like no other. And how can you live? with that calmness in your life. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, with all that's happening, we're often in the midst of a storm. In 2019, meditation apps were downloaded over 52 million times. People are looking for calm in their life. There is actually an app called Calm, and it has 100 million downloads. And it's a paid app, and it's not cheap. And it's Got 100 million downloads, the app called Calm. The U.S. leads the world in meditation apps, and the meditation market in the U.S. alone will be over $2 billion at the end of 2022. We're in a world where people are looking for calm in the midst of their storms. And so that's why we're in this series. That's why we're spending some weeks talking about this, because what this looks like in our lives. So last week was our first week. And we looked at the fact that when the unknown makes you anxious, that's what we're looking at, because often anxiety comes from the unknown. It comes from the what if in our minds. When the unknown makes you anxious, celebrate what you do know about God. That you can rejoice, you can have joy when you celebrate what you do know about God. This week, we're going to be looking at this verse in 4-5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Next week, uh, our passage will be 4-6, just so you know where we're going. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That'll be next week. The week after that, October 2nd, Pastor Marvin's preaching on think about what you think about. 4-8 says think about these things. And then finally, 
on October 9th, we're going to look at verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 9, practice these things. And we'll look at what that looks like to practice it in our lives. And so, um, so that's where we're going. Uh, also want to let you know, I know we ran out of these little books last week. Uh, I think we have a few more. I mean, I, we did. I hope we can all go out after first service. So if you did not get one last week, um, there should be some available on the way out. And you should be able to grab one on the way out. Hopefully, everyone gets one of those little less fret, more faith books to kind of help you on your journey as we walk through this topic together. Um, and so I shared with you last week some of the text messages that you submitted. I'm not going to read through these. I did it in second service last week, but we can flip through them, and you can see some of the things that uh, we as a church are often anxious about in our lives. In our house this week, one thing that happened is my smoke detectors went off. Anyone been in their house when all your smoke detectors go off? What do you do? In that moment, I go around and I look for a fire. I get everyone out of the house and look for a fire. But I'm a bit frantic in those cases. And even when I get them to stop going off, I'm anxious they're going to go off again. It's hard for me to remain calm when there's a loud alarm going off. And the truth is, we live in a world where we have alarms going off all over the place. Alarms that tell us that we are in danger all the time. Alarms that tell you people want to hurt you. Alarms like that people could make you sick without even knowing it. Alarms that say the food you eat is killing you. Or the food you don't eat is killing you. Or the water is killing you. Or the planet's trying to kill you. Or you're killing the planet. Or your money's not worth what it used to be. Or the government is going to run out of money for your social security. We have alarms going off everywhere. It's enough to make a person anxious. So how can a person remain calm? And why is it important for Christians, followers of Jesus, to remain calm? We're going to talk about that this morning. Because the truth is, when those who are near you lose their calm, it's easy to get caught up in the storm. When those who are around you lose their calm, it's easy to get caught up in the storm. My daughter said to me this week, uh, we, were, we were doing something, and, and she says, your stress is making other people stressed. <laughs> and there's no need to be stressed. And she was 100% right that my stress was making other people stressed, and there really was no reason to be stressed. But it's contagious, isn't it? Panic is contagious. Anxiety can be contagious. Stress can be contagious. And Paul knew this. The context of our passage I want to look at for a minute this morning. So we are looking at Philippians 4 on your little card, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. But just before that passage is verses 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3 in Philippians chapter 4. And here's what Paul writes. He's writing a letter to the church at Philippi. And he writes these words. <clears throat> I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. 
Paul is in a prison in Rome, and he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi, and one of his biggest concerns is two ladies arguing in the church who are in disagreement, and you've been there, right? You know what it's like when you have people, two people in your life who are not getting along. You know the tension you feel. Maybe you've had to put a wedding seating plan together, and you are looking at them, and you go, oh, we can't put those two at that table. We need to put one on this side of the room and one on that side of the room and hope they do not end up together at the buffet line, right? Because you know what that tension is like. You know what it does to people. Everyone else, it creates tension in everyone else when they know about it, right? It happens in churches. It can happen in churches at times, and that's what's happening in this church at Philippi. I can recall times in our church in the past where we've had times where we've had some people that, that at times were in conflict to, us, to, to the extent that we had to say, hey, why don't you guys extend to 10 different campuses at this point, and we're going to work through some of your issues with you until it's not disruptive anymore because it can happen with people. And yet Paul speaks into this conflict at this time. And he wants, to, he wants them to help what's going on with Judea and Syntyche. He said, these people have been helpful for me. They're good Christian women. They fought with me for the gospel, he's saying. Their names are written in the, good, the, 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 the um, book of life. They're Christians. They love Jesus. And they're arguing with each other. And if it's just two people arguing, what's the big deal? Well, it's not a big deal unless it's going to become a problem in the church. And he says, so help these women. Help them as they're arguing. Help them to agree that they might come together. And it's right after he describes this disagreement they're having that we find our passage. And so let's look at it on that card you have. And let me read it for you. So right after he says, help these two women to agree. We don't want this disagreement. He writes these words to the church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And this is the line we're going to look at this morning. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's easy to lose our calm when those around us have lost their calm. It's easy to get caught up in it. And that's what Paul wants to avoid in the church. So he says, help these women so it doesn't cause more trouble in the church. It happened with Jesus' disciples when they lost their calm and panic spread. Mark chapter 4, this is how Mark records an instance in the life of Jesus and his disciples. He says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, that's Jesus, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Here's the disciples of Jesus. Jesus is in the boat sleeping, and they are afraid for their lives. And panic begins to spread in the boat. And a lack of calm begins to spread. And that's what happens when people around us lose our calm. When you lose your calm, people around you begin to panic at times. One of the greatest examples of this, I think, in our nation's history is the 1929 uh, stock market crash and, and the ensuing run on the banks that happened right after that that caused, led to a decade of economic depression because one a few people started going, I need to get my money out of the bank. And then everyone said, we need to get our money out of the banks and banks couldn't handle it and banks foreclosed. And it leads to a depression and an economy collapsing because panic spreads. Because anxiety spreads. And when we lose our calm, it affects those around us. But you will find calm when you trust God who is with you in the storm. You'll find calm when you trust God who is with you in the storm. Calm comes when you realize the storm hasn't got you. Jesus has got you in the storm. The rest of that passage in Mark 4, how does it end? It says, and he awoke... Jesus, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Why are you so afraid? Jesus says, he's basically saying, I'm in the boat. I'm here with you. Why are you so afraid? And you'll find calm in the storm when you trust God is with you in the storm. And last week we talked about this idea that you can rejoice no matter what the circumstances are around you because God is with you, because God is near. The truth is in this passage, when you look at that statement the Lord is at hand, in that second line from the top, the Lord is at hand, or some translations will say, the Lord is near. That actually grounds, that's the ground for rejoicing, why you can rejoice always. That's also the ground for why you can let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then it's also the grounding for what we're going to talk about next week, which is do not be anxious for anything. All three are grounded in the reality of the Lord is with you. The Lord is near you. And so Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does that mean? Well, other translations will use, for reasonableness, will use gentleness. The words translated reasonableness, gentleness, sometimes softness. You're, it, it speaks of being level-headed, steady, calm in the midst of things going around us. And, and Paul says, look, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, 
You got two, two, you got problems in the church, you got conflict happening, but you let your reasonableness, let your gentleness, let your level-headedness, your even keel, let that be known to everyone around you. So don't have a contagious panic, have a contagious calm in your life that is known to everyone around you. And the reason you can do that is because God is near. So who is this God who is with you? Let's take a moment to to answer that. Who is this God who is with you? So here's what I want to do. I want to do uh, what if you were in kids' church with Kathy Duncan, she would call sword drills. Uh, Because the Bible calls uh, itself the sword of the spirit. So we're going to do sword drills. We're going to look up some scriptures. And we're going to, they're all in Psalms, and I'm going to ask for your help. I'm going to ask for some volunteers. I'm going to give you some scriptures, and I'm going to ask people to look them up, stand up, and read it out loud, okay? So I'm going to ask, who will get for me Psalm 9-9? Give me a hand. Who's going to get Psalm 9-9? Right over here. Lena's getting Psalm 9-9. Who will get Psalm 91, 1 through 2? Lewis has got that in the back. Who will get Psalm 46, 1 through 3? Right over here. I see. Yeah. Your hand. Okay. Yep. And who will get Psalm, um, I'm not going to do Psalm 23.1 because Vera already read Psalm 23. And that says, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Veronica, I saw a hand in the back. John, would you get Psalm 118, 5 through 7? Psalm 118, 5 through 7. And here's the question. As these scriptures are read, and when you're read, someone's going to bring a microphone to you so we can hear you read it. We've got two guys in the back that's got some microphones. Who's got Psalm 99, the first one? You can run a microphone over there. I want you to say your name because we want to know each other as a church. It's not Name Tag Sunday. Uh, Name Tag Sunday is coming. We're going to do every communion Sunday. It's going to be Name Tag Sunday. So... But it's not name tag Sunday, but say your name and then read the scripture. And as the scripture is being read, here's what you're listening for. Who is the God who is near you? What does the scripture say about who God is? Oh, we don't have your microphone on, Lena. That's our fault, not yours. Hold on. We'll get it. It's all set. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Praise God. Uh, My name is Lena Joseph, Psalm 9-9. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Okay, who is the God who's with you? Stronghold. Stronghold Stronghold for the oppressed, stronghold in times of trouble. Thank you, Lena. All right, who's got Psalm 91, 1 through 2? Who's got Psalm 91, 1 through 2? Hello, church. My name is Louis. So, Psalm 91, 1 through 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Thank you, Lewis. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that's near you? Refuge. Fortress. Right? This is the God who's with you. So I should have told you this before. On the back of your card, so we're going to hand out one of these cards every week. Uh, And the front will be the same, but the back will be different. So on the back of your card, it says, what does the Bible say about the God being near us? So you have a chance you can write down some of these things that are being said. So we've already said our God is a stronghold. That was Psalm 9-9. And Psalm 91, 1 through 2, our God is a refuge and a fortress. 
It says, you can write those down on the back there. What does the God, what does the Bible say about the God who is near us? You can write those things down. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, who had that? Psalm 46, 1 through 3. Good morning, church. My name is Mika Jacob. I'll be reading from Psalm 46, 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mika. What does it say there? Who is the Lord? Refuge, strength, present. Present in time of trouble with you. Yeah, that's good. All right. Who's got uh, Psalm 23, 1, where we, we said, um, Vera read that earlier. That says, God is your shepherd. Your shepherd. So you can write down shepherd. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Who had that? Veronica. My name is Veronica Bailey. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems you, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with satisfied love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Who is the Lord who's with you? Forgives. Forgives. Healer. Healer. Redeemer. Redeemer. Satisfier. Satisfier. Yeah, that one's in there, right? Yeah, this is the God who is with you. This is the God who's with you in the storm. This is the God who's with you in the boat. This is the God. So why can we let our gentleness and reasonableness? Because this God is with you. Psalm 118, 5 through 7. Last one. John, can you get the mic over there? This is the God who is with you. And so when we talk about the fact that you can rejoice or let your reasonableness, gentleness be known. It's not because of how good you are. It's not because of your own strength. It's because this God is with you, walking with you in your circumstances. John? Hi, my name is John Yellen. We're reading Psalm 118, 5 through 7. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper, I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. All right. Who is the Lord that's with you? By your side, helper. Helper, right? The God who is with you. So you can't say, I have no help. You can't say, no one's there to help me. Because God said, I'm with you, and I'm your helper. And I'm with you there. So these are some of the ways. There's, there's obviously others throughout Scripture. There's others even in the Psalms. But I just wanted to take a few minutes to look at this. When we say God is near you, we need to define who is that God who is near you. This is the God who is near you. I think another way, a little story of how this truth is brought out, Max Lucado in his book, Anxious for Nothing, he tells the story of Bill Frey, William Frey, um, that William Frey actually tells in another book called The Dance of Hope. 
Uh, and here's, here's what Bill Frey talks about in, in his life. He says, he remembers the day when he tried to pull a stump out of the Georgia dirt. He was 11 years old at the time, and one of his chores was the gathering of firewood for the small stove and fireplace of the homestead. He would search the woods for stumps of pine trees that have been cut down and chop them into kindling. The best stumps were saturated with resin and therefore would burn more easily. One day I found a large stump in an open field near the house and tried to unearth it. I literally pushed and pulled and crowbarred for hours, but the root system was so deep and large, I simply couldn't pull it out of the ground. I was still struggling when my father came home from his office, spotted me working, and came over to watch. I think I see your problem, he said. What's that, I asked. You're not using all your strength, he replied. I exploded and told him how hard I had worked and for how long. No, he said, you're not using all your strength. When I cooled down, I asked him what he meant. And he said, you haven't asked me to help you yet. And isn't that the way it is in life with us often, right? We're anxious, we're worried, but we're always trying to handle it on our own. We're always trying to handle it in our own strength, in our own knowledge. We're going to get it. And some of us, sometimes we think, I got to get this right, and then I can go to God. You know, we, we think, you know we, we've, I've talked about it before. We're like that little kid who says, I'm going to get it right, and then God's going to be proud of me. Instead of going, no, I'm going to God. I, God wants you to go to him first. God wants you to go to him and, and realize that you cannot do it on your own, so go to him for strength. Go to him and, and ask him for that strength that you need in your situation. And so there's all kinds of resources that the Lord has given to you. He's given you his spirit. He's with you. There's, there's his word. There's other resources that may be helpful to you as well. And on that note, I want to take a pause in our sermon, and I want to take a moment to introduce you to someone who might be helpful to you as well. Uh, many of you know that last year we started a partnership with Church Therapy Associates to have some Christian counseling on site right here at Mount Hope. And last year, we had a counseling intern named Ju Kyung Min, who was really helpful to many of you. And this year, we have a, a new intern counselor, and her name is Emily McLean. And I want to introduce you to her today. Would you welcome Emily as she comes? So the way it works with Church Therapy Associates, these are students at Gordon-Conwell working on uh, their counseling degree, and uh, they partner with churches to provide Christian on-site counseling while they're doing that. And Emily is going to be with us for the next uh, almost year or so while she's in her school year. And I want to give you a chance to hear her, get to meet her, and know that this resource is available for you at Mount Hope. So, Emily, if you want to give a little introduction to yourself, a little bit of who you are, where you've been as you come to, as you come to Mount Hope. Great. Good morning, everyone. I'm Emily McLean. Um, I've been a follower of Jesus for eight years now. I grew up in New Jersey. I moved up here to go to school, ended up settling here. Um, just out of college, I gave my life to Christ, and um, one of the things that was a huge benefit to me was counseling. Um, specifically, I ended up finally 
finding a Christian counselor. Um, whether you've grown up in the church or not, um, there's a lot of things we go through in life that it is so helpful to partner with someone else. And especially as a Christian, someone who can understand where you might find yourself in the midst of, am I dealing with sin? Am I dealing with a mental health struggle? Um, how can I verbalize what's going on in my mind? Um, and so I'm just really excited to be here. A little bit of my background, I've been serving in the Massachusetts Army National Guard for the past 12 years or so now. Um, and in the midst of that, I had the opportunity to work for a couple of years serving survivors of sexual assault in the military. Um, and so I have a lot of education and training around trauma. Um, so if that's something you have an experience with, um, that is something that I'd love to walk with you through, um, as well as any issues of depression, anxiety, maybe a life transition that you're going through or anticipating. Um, really, it, these things were made for community, right? And so um, just being able to walk with someone and um, I'm here to support you through whatever you might be going through. That's great, Amanda. Thank you. You've got some church background. You've been on staff at a local church here as well. So I do. Um, so some of you might know East Coast International Church. We're in Lynn and Revere. Um, we're actually part of the Assemblies of God movement, so we interact a bit as a network. Um, so I've been there for about six years. I was on staff for this past year. Um, I've served in different ministries. And at this time, since I'm pushing through to my internship for this degree in mental health counseling, um, this internship and providing counseling services is what I consider to be my ministry. So I'm happy to be able to work with you and provide that for you. Great. And Emily, we're in this series on anxiety. Any, any thought, can you fix everything in a couple sentences? No, no absolutely not. I mean, and, and mind you, as, as a human being, I still have my own anxieties as well that I have to wrestle with. Um, and so one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of is the safety of the Lord that he provides. Um, and just being able to anchor myself in that um, and not allow my anxious thoughts to spiral. Um, and I've been able to get to a place where I can say, even though things might be swirling around me, I, I have enough to know, um, I have enough experience in my own life to know that the Lord um, provides safety to me, regardless of what the situation is. And so um, he's in our boat. And if, if you'd like, I'd like to get in that boat with you um, and just help you address whatever you might be going through. Um, our services, um, just to mention, they are very low cost, um, so I know that that's often a barrier for many people, whether your insurance doesn't cover it or whether your copay is expensive. Um, and again, it's in person. I know there's a lot of wait lists out there. I've experienced it myself trying to look for someone. Um, so I don't have a wait list at this time. I do have limited availability, so if you can work with me on that, I would be happy to partner with you. And how would someone contact you? How should, how should we go? So I have business cards. I will be in the hallway after service. So by all means, if you'd like to come catch me, I'll also leave my business cards here. Pastor Rick has them. Um, so you could feel free to just shoot a text to that number, call, leave a voicemail, um, and I'd be happy to connect. Great. Thank you, Emily. Would you welcome and appreciate Emily? Thank you. Thanks, Emily, and you can see her after service, and we, um, we believe that uh, God wants you whole and healed in every aspect of your life. Some of those things, sometimes we pray for physical healing, and we can see those on the outside. A lot of times, there's healing that's needed in other places in our lives that aren't seen as easily, 
and uh, that the Lord wants to work in as well. And we want to pray with you and help you and walk with you in that. I know I, at times in my life, have been helped by seeing Christian counselors. I know many on our staff have uh, been helped as well by seeing counselors uh, and that. So if that's something that would be helpful to you, Emily, or um, uh, might, be, might be a resource for you. So let me close uh, and as we finish up with this. When those near you see your calm in the storm, they will want to know the one whom you are near. That's where we're going with this. And that's where, that's where you know, I pray and hope that that's where this ends up, right? That, uh, that those who are near you, and when they see a calm, not a calm worked up by your own strength, not a calm worked up because you have strong enough and you're able to do it on your own, but a calm and a steadiness and a gentleness and a reasonableness that comes from your connection with God, that they might say, where does that come from? How can you have that? How does that? I mean, we're all going crazy over here. How can you be so calm? Apostle Paul's in prison, and he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi. And he's saying, don't worry so much about me, because the message of Jesus is actually getting to these guards, these Roman guards that are holding me in prison, and it's going up through the whole, through the whole uh, realm of the, uh, of the emperor. And why would that do that? Why would that permeate that place in that way? Because if you're a Roman guard chained to the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul, in any moment, he could be, his life could be taken from him just in a nod of Nero's head. And yet, what's he doing? He's dictating a letter to a church about two women who are arguing with each other. He's telling a church that they should rejoice. He's thanking them for their... And how can you be like that, Paul? These guys are chained to people on death row all the time. And my guess is that they don't see a lot of calm people. And so the gospel is spreading among the guards because when you see someone like that, you say, I want to know, who is this? Who are you near that causes you to have this kind of stability, reasonableness, gentleness? To not even be worried about your own life, but to be thinking about the interests of others. And that can happen in your life, not because you're strong enough, but because God is with you. Let me just, as in closing, let me just, uh, I don't have time to go into all these, but I want to just run through, I kind of run through a couple, just three things real quick. I'm not even going to comment on them, but this word gentleness, I looked at it, you know, in the New Testament, this word that's used that Paul says, let your reasonableness and gentleness be known to others. I said, well, where else in Scripture? Why is that important? Here's, here's where else it's used. When your reasonableness and gentleness is known to all, it identifies you with Christ's character. And you're not going to have time to write all these down, but just listen or email me later if you want to. When your reasonableness and gentleness is known to all, it identifies you with Christ's character. Because Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, same word there, and lowly in heart. Here's who Jesus is. And when you're like that, you're like Jesus. When your reasonableness and gentleness is known to all, it positions you for spiritual influence in people's lives. You say, why is that? Because Paul writes to, the church, to, to leaders in the church, and he says, look, when you're going to put overseers and elders in the church, here's some of the characteristics they ought to have. 
to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. That this puts you in a position for spiritual influence. When your reasonableness and gentleness is known to all, it aligns you with God's wisdom. Because James chapter 3, verse 17 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so Paul says, let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be known to all. And so, you know, I think this is so important in our world because does our world see Christians, see followers of Jesus, when they think of them, do they think of, well, there's reasonable and gentle people, or do they think something different? And just a word to to people who might want to try and hijack Jesus and make him into some sort of MMA fighter, they need to take into account that Jesus says these words about himself. I'm gentle and meek and lowly at heart. And you also, the fr- one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. And the characters and followers of Jesus Christ, Paul says, everybody ought to know you as this. Everybody ought to know you as this way. And so, not as anxious people, but someone who is letting your reasonableness and gentleness known to all. Have you ever heard someone pray and think, I want to know Jesus like that? I want to know Jesus like that. Someone who has a calm spirit in their life. I remember listening to two of Wendy's uncles when we were at a family reunion in Dallas, Texas. and One had been a missionary building churches in Mexico and the other was a pastor that pastored rural churches in New Mexico. And they're in their 80s and listening to these men talk and pray about the faithfulness of God about God seeing them through difficult times. I thought, I want to know Jesus like that. Not anxious, not worried, trusting. I want to know Jesus like that. And I want people to be around me someday and say, I want to know Jesus like that. I want to know God in that way. When what is unknown makes you anxious, trust the God who is near to give you a contagious calm. Not one you work up yourself. This isn't try harder faith, but this is press deeper faith. This is trust more faith. Trust in God to do it. As the team plays, they're going to play a song that's new to us, but appropriate for this message. The back of that card, I'm sure you got a little more space. As they're playing and singing this song, Would you just take some time to ask the Lord, what is it about the Lord that you need to remember about who he is, about him being near to you, that would help you, that would remind you so that you might have the strength to have this gentleness and reasonableness. So as they're singing, ask the Lord, God, do you have something to say to me? Do you have a word that you want to speak to me? And write it on this card. Ask the Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit is here. And he's alive and he wants to say something to you. God, your church is listening. We quiet ourselves in this moment. We ask you to speak as our good Lord and our good shepherd. In Jesus' name.